all of the different acts of deen, one of the most emphasized, the most commanded, most important is salah, the prayer. This is a gift and present that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu And all of the different acts of worship, all of them were received by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in this world, that salah was received as a command by the Prophet above the Arsh in the presence of Allah SWT. Clearly when a guest comes to your own home, then a person always gives him a special present. This is why Nabi Akrim said that Salah is Mi'raj al Mu'min, is the ascension of a believer. Imam Rabani Majjal Fasan from his Maktubat has written emphasize greatly the importance of Salah. Today we're going to talk about the importance of Salah. We're going to realize that we we ourselves don't view, attach such importance to Salah as it deserves. We just pray Salah as a very outward, external act. We go through the physical postures and we offer the prayer. So now listen. Imam Rabbanath said that from Amal Salih, from the righteous acts, that Salah, which is a means of a person's sukoon, that there are certain elements and features that we will write about. Number one is that you cannot pray Salah without having wudu, and you must wash every limb of your body three times with great care. And with perfection so that the person should wash three times so that they may offer their wudu according to sunnah so what is he trying to say he's trying to say the importance of salah starts with doing your wudu properly so the beginning of salah is actually a person's wudu and they should make great care in their wudu and they should wash every limb rub it and they should wash it three times because this is sunnah and second, it's better if they wipe over their whole head and they wipe their in their ears and they wipe the back of their necks, their napes. And that they use their right pinky of the right hand in order to to wash between intersperse between the toes. It's called khilal in Arabic, to intersperse the finger between the two toes. <laughs> and we should make we should do amal on everything that is mustahab we shouldn't think that the mustahab is just optional or recommended but no mustahab comes from mahabba which means that which is beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if as a salik you are trying to be you are trying to become the beloved of Allah then obviously you should do those acts that are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if you could adorn yourself with all of the mustahab acts of the sunnah the acts of the beloved that are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then you will become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa And then if you were to take even a single mustahab act that is worth more than all of the world and all of it contains. And if you were to, if only you were to realize what is the sa'ada or the happiness and felicity that is attached to doing an act that is mustahab. So therefore we should view it as beloved and act beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we should do it. And just like that, and imagine if somebody exchanges a few drops of dust and gets instead a few gems and jewels. So that is what it means that if a person does mustahab, it's a very inexpensive thing to do. But they get a very expensive jewel in return, which is the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the person, the poet said that I have indeed, when I praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I did something very easy to do, but I got a great thing in exchange. So we shouldn't take them lightly and think it's just mustahab, it's just optional, it's extra. No, 
It means such an act which Allah Ta'ala has preferred, Allah Ta'ala is pleased by, Allah Ta'ala loves. So it is something pleasing to Allah. So the poet said that you should, if you put the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala in front of you, that even if you were to offer the whole world in exchange for just one pleasure of Allah, even that would be a profitable trade. Therefore you should do all of those things that are mustahab. Then after having obtained perfect taharat and having done wudu well, then you should try to pray that prayer which is the miraj of a mu'man. You should try to pray the fard jama'ah in jama'ah in the congregation. And you should try to pray from the very start, the very first takbir with the imam. And you should try to pray salah in the mustahab time, in the preferred time of that. In karat, in recitation, that there should be recitation according to the sunnah amount. In raku and sujda should be tamaniyat. The person should spend some time in raku and sujda. And tamaniyat is fard, in other words, to pause and to stay motionless and establish the rukun and ruku and sajda is far. Your feet should be pointed exactly straight so that all of the bones and joints all the bones and joints are in their proper place. And then you should stand back up and then be again let your bones and joints wrestle rest. That is called the maniat. Just like that when you sit between the two sajdas and jalsa just like that you should sit fully and you should pause and motionless and reach the state of itmanan with the bones and joints settles in their place and then go back into the second sajda and then at the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah and at least you should be able to say this behalf three times and at most times you should say and in the sadza you should say the tasbih three times and at most you should say it either seven or eleven times. And the imam's amount of tasbih should be based on what is the situation of those who are following him. And the imam should always take into consideration that do people have time, more time, less time, are they old, are they sick? So they should read five or seven times, they should recite the tasbih. And then he wrote that it is a shame that a person even though they have strength and ability and time to offer more tasbihat, five or seven, but instead they only did three. So this is the most act of folly and this is an act of shame. And if we see that this is our habit, none of us do more than three times. Alhamdulillah, in our life, we went, we, we went and prayed behind Wali that his whole practice, his whole life, was that in Riku and Sajda that he used to recite Subhan Rabbalim 21 times and Subhan Rabbilala 21 times. This was his daily practice. So there are some people who pray Salah like that as well. So they recite the Tasbihat of Riku and Sajda 21 times. So this should be that okay, if the ordinary person prays, recites it three times, those of us who are studying Ilm, who are studying Zikr, at least 5, 7, 9, 11. These all these four different rivayat in hadith, so we should try to recite it at least five times. So we should try to recite it at least five times. We should try to recite it seven times. It's even better. So at least in our individual salah, if not necessarily in the congregational salah, we should try to recite the tasbihat of ruku and sajda more than three times to get the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't you see in this world also that every beloved wants that the lover should talk to them more? And the lover should express more love for me. So these tasbihat are our expression of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The whole world says three. How can we distinguish ourselves as lovers in the eyes of the beloved by saying more than three? So instead of three, we should do five or ideally maybe even seven. So at least there will be some extra expression of love in those who are salikin on the path. They are supposed to be the lovers of Allah subhanahu wa so then he writes that it is a shame that a person when they pray alone, they pray and they, they try to get by with the minimum amount of tasbihat. So it, better, it would be better that they recited it five or seven times. And when, they, and when you fall into sajda, they should put all of their body parts that should be on sajda on the ground. First their hands, then their nose, then their forehead. First their knees and their hands and then their nose and their, and their forehead. And they should try to put their right hand first slightly. Put their two hands together or put their right hand slightly before the left one. 
And similarly, the same way in which they, the same order in which they touched everything to the ground, reverse order, they should lift from the ground. I lift the forehead first, then the nose, then the hands, then the knees from the ground when rising from Sajda. At the time of Qiyam, the person's gaze should be on that point on which they're going to make Sajda. I wear their forehead is going to fall on Sajda. When they're in Ruku, they should, the gaze should be in between their two feet. When they're sitting in Atayat, they should, I should, their gaze should be on their lap at the level of their hands. And if a person can control their gaze in their Salah, and they can fix their gaze on the Sunnah places, on the point of the gaze, then they will get jamayat and they will get focus and intensity in their Salah. It will become easy for them, and they will pray that Salah with humility, awareness, and concentration. For that person, who wants Tamaniyat, who, who does Ruku and Sajda in a relaxed ma- manner and they recite Tasbihat more than three times, more like seven times and they fix their gaze at all of the places where it is Sunnah to look during the Salah and just doing these three things then a person can feel in their heart that now this is the meaning of Khushu and Khudu I have offered a prayer of awe and reverence and focus and humility and awareness to Allah at the time of sajda, they should join their fingers. At the time of ruku, they should spread their fingers. And at the rest of the time, their fingers should be natural, neither joined nor spread out. And this is Sayyidina Rasulullah has done this for many benefits. And we should follow the Prophet and there's no other benefit than doing Muqabiyat or following the Prophet so there's no benefit in closing them or keeping them wide. There may be different, many benefits in that, but even if a person can't understand and ascertain and appreciate those benefits, the greatest benefit can, is, is something that can be appreciated by all. And what is that greatest benefit? That is following the sunnah of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu In the second letter, Imam Rabbani Majallah said that says about Salah, as written about Salah, and here he has explained, and it's a bit deeper, so listen carefully, that you should know that in Salah, when a person does the first takbir, takbir ula, takbir tahrima, they're trying to say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far greater than the salah of a person and is mustaghni and has no need of it whatsoever. So in the first time we say Allahu Akbar, that Allah ta'ala is greater and greatest. And the very first saying Allahu Akbar, what was the purpose of saying that? Was that of all the worshippers in the whole universe in the history of time and all of the worship and all the prayers they've ever offered, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far above needing that. He is mustaghni and his sha'an and his majesty and might is far greater than all of the ibadat of all of the ibad. And with that feeling a person should say Allah Akbar at the start. So it means there's an emotional feeling that we should feel in our heart when we say takbir tahrima, takbir ula. And the feeling should be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure and exalted above all of the worship of all of the worshippers of the world. And then every takbir that a person says in every stage of the prayer, they're saying that every rukun is not worthy of being presented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as worship. So for example, so a person says Allah Akbar and then stands in prayer. And when they finish their standing, so did they do, did they worship Allah Ta'ala? He deserves to be worshipped in that standing? No. So again they have to say Allah Akbar, that Allah Ta'ala is greater than this qiyam of mine. Allah Ta'ala's being and might and majesty is far exalted above my standing in worship. So therefore they say Allah Akbar and then go on to Raku. 
And then when they're in Ruku, so when they say the Tasbihat of Subhanal Nabi Al-Azim, Subhanal Nabi Al-Azim. And now because they're mentioning the Azmat of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, so now there's no need to say Allah Akbar. Because you just said Allah Al-Azim, so now here you kept Sami Allah Liman Hamina. Because if you were to say Allah Akbar then, then it would be suggesting that Allah Ta'ala is beyond your Azmat and Allah Ta'ala is not beyond being Al-Azim, Allah Ta'ala is Al-Azim. So in that one instance a person doesn't say Allah Akbar, it just says Sami Allah Liman Hamida. Because of this name of Allah Ta'ala Al-Azim, so Al-Azim is such a majestic name that a person doesn't have to say Allah Akbar after understand you will say Sami Allah Liman Hamida. And indeed Allah Ta'ala hears the person, each in person who praises him. And then the person will say Rabbana Alak Alhamd. And that person who is Rabbana Alak Alhamd joins with the angels Rabbana Alak Alhamd. Allah Ta'ala will forgive all of their past sins. Then Imam Al-Banata continues that when a person says Subhan Rabbil Adham that pure and free of defect is my Rabb who is Al-Adheem who is great and magnificent. Here then it's not been commanded to say Allahu Akbar but instead it's been commanded to say Sami Allah as opposed to the two sajdas whereas after each sajda even the tasbih is Allah. But after each sajda, a person has been commanded to say Allah Akbar when they rise from that. They must say takbir going into sajda and they must say takbir when rising from sajda. Why should they? Because let a person not think that because in I fall in sajda and I'm prostrating, prostrating and my whole body is falling down, they shouldn't think that by that I have worshipped Allah and deserve to be worshipped. So to make sure that a person doesn't even get the slightest of the idea that his sajda is worthy of Allah, so both going into sajda and rising up from sajda, a person must say Allah Akbar. So if you look at this, the Fuqaha have said that in Raku you should recite Subhanallah bin Adim and in Sadda you should recite Subhanallah bin Allah. And if you look, both of them are mentioned in Quran. The first is the Sabbih Bismillahirrahmanirrahim A'la. So that is a commandment of Allah Taala that do tasbih of your Rabb who is A'la. And the same word comes in Quran. So both of these teachings are verses in Quran. And Sayyidina Rasulullah showed this debate to follow and implement this command of Quran. One is in saying Subhanahu al in Raku, and one is by saying Subhanahu al in Sajda. So that's why reciting these tasbihat is also part of the will and mission commandments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And because the Salah is the miraj of a mu'min, the sentence of a believer, and that is why the person who is praying in a Salah, he should make his prayer a means of his miraj. The person who is praying his prayer, he should make his prayer, he should make it a highest level of ascension. Just like Tina Rasulullah got the miraj and ascension to Allah subhanahu ta'ala, this person should pray their salah in such a good way that Allah ta'ala will also grant them a miraj on the basis of how excellent they pray their salah. And an inside salah, they should have complete solitude and concentration on Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And Sayyidina Rasulullah said that that person will feel the most qurb and the closest to Allah SWT during their salah. And therefore the person who prays salah regularly is a person who is making munajat, is engaged in deep personal invocations and supplications under Allah. And is a person engaged in mushahida in witnessing Allah SWT. And that is why that as a, consul, as a comfort for them that Allah SWT has made salah a daily practice for them. So when a person says the tasbihat, they mention the magnification and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
and when they're reciting at they're mentioning the conversation that happened between Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet on the time of Miraj. And when a person recites those kalimat, then a person gets a certain awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how can they leave that awe and reverence? It's very difficult. So a person couldn't just stand up from saying atayat. So in order to get out of that stage, this is why you say assalam at the end. In other words, after sitting and reciting that whole conversation in the last sitting of salah, you couldn't just get up and get on with your life. So you needed something to get, you were supposed to have been so awe-inspired by Salah that you needed As-Salamu Alaikum, you needed the feelings and greetings of peace in order to cool you down so that you could then go back to your worldly work. And then that person who does any shortcomings, failings, flaws, defects in their Salah, and after their Salah they will recite again a Takbi Allahu Akbar, and then stuck for Allah, stuck for Allah, stuck for Allah three times. Why? Because they have prayed that ibadah due to the tawfiq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That Allah ta'ala graced them with the ability to pray. So then a person should feel grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, Alhamdulillah. And they should never ever worship any being other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why again they say Allah Akbar. So subhanallah, these are the reasons for the tasbihat of Fatima that a person says after salah. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, and Allah Akbar 33 times each. The person says subhanallah to make up for any of the flaws and defects that they offered in their prayer. And they should recite subhanallah for that reason. And alhamdulillah, they should recite for which reason? That Allah subhanahu ta'ala, alhamdulillah, that Allah ta'ala gave me the tawfiq and blessing to pray salah. And third, they should again recite the kibriyah of Allah subhanahu ta'ala by saying Allah Akbar. That Allah subhanahu ta'ala, you are far, far greater. Your shan and your majestic nature is far greater than any salah I could offer to you. Then Imam Mubarak bin Natai has written elsewhere that the prayers that we pray to Allah, that all of them, are all of them fall short of the greatness of Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu ta'ala is far beyond any worship we can offer. He's above and beyond it, above and beyond it, above and beyond it. Allah subhanahu ta'ala's majesty and rank is far exalted over above any worship we can do. And no matter how much we can think that however great and magnificent we think Allah subhanahu ta'ala is, Allah Ta'ala is more akbar and more adheem than anything we can than anything our imagination could fathom. There's another thing that he says that during the salah, Allah subhanahu wa sends a particular tajalli on a mu'min, and after a person says salam, that doesn't end immediately. But he says that this would be this. This would be a stinginess of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if as long as you're reciting salah, I will send my tajalliyat on you. And the second you say salam, I will stop it. No. As long as a person sits in that same place, Allah ta'ala's tajalliyat keeps descending on that person even after they have said salam. So he listened to what Imam Al-Bantai has said. So he, has written that many times the nisbat of salah comes onto a person. In other words, this yadas, this ability to remember Allah Ta'ala at all times, this becomes manifest when they're praying salah to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And especially in those first salah that a person prays in zamat, and after they pray salah, as long as they remain seated in the place in which they prayed salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps sending his waridat and amarat in that person. And then when he moves away from that place, then they're taken back from him.
So Salah is a miraj of a mu'min. And in the hadith comes that that person who does sajda has fallen at the feet of Allah subhanahu wa metaphorically speaking. But this is some a yearning and a desire that a person should have. And it comes in the hadith that Allah subhanahu wa says that there is no, in Allah's eyes, there is no more beloved position for a person than when a person is doing sajda to him. And Allah loves to see his believers doing sajda to him. And this is the most favorite physical posture that Allah loves to see as human beings in, in the physical posture of sajda. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then turns towards him in his own zat. And then Allah ta'ala does not turn away from that person until and unless that person himself turns away and walks away from the place that they prayed salah. Allah ta'ala will not turn away from that person until that person turns away himself and walks away from that place of salah. And because we, we don't know these ma'arif, we don't know these deep subtle points, so this is our situation, that we come from home and we look at the watch and we see that it hasn't come time for Jamaat yet. Ahmed Ali? So. person if they what do we do when we come to Salah we stand by the place of the shoes and see that there's three minutes left in Jamaat we don't walk into the masjid we start chatting outside and we can't even stand to spend three extra minutes in the masjid and people don't like to come to the masjid before the time of Salah this habit is lifted from this Ummah and what this is also something that sitting in intidhar for Salah sitting waiting for Salah this is a Sunnah and the Sahaba Karam used to sit and wait for the Salah. But these days, very few people do that. And the Mu'min should want, and the Salik should want, that a person should enter into the Masjid before the time of the Salah, and they should sit in the place of the Masallah. They should make it a habit of doing so. They should make it a habit of sitting in the Masallah before the time for Salah. Sitting in the rows before the time of Salah. Look, just like when any generous person is announced that he's going to give something out, you will see that already a long line is formed and everyone wants to be the first one to be there. So she's showing more sincerity, more earnestness. So therefore, if we come to the masjid early, earlier than the time of salah, then we will also be those who are showing our earnestness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So coming before the time of Jamaat Salah, sitting in the masjid early, all of these are signs of the love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is a very important subtle point. And I'm hopeful that you will reflect on this and amal on it. That before the time of Salah, to come to the masjid a bit earlier than that, even five minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes, however much time a person has, to come to the masjid a few minutes before salah, and to sit in the place is actually a sign of, of the love that a person has for Allah subhanahu wa And after praying salah, remaining seated in that place, and reciting some tasbihat, and making dua to Allah subhanahu wa and then after that, then leaving, that is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't have fear from you. Not fear, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not washa, uh, means that I'm not distant from you. I'm not divorced from you. And many times people, they're like that, they say, Salaam alaikum, and they jet. And they shouldn't be like that. That shows that they have no real relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
the Imam says salam, and then, and you can see four or five rows just exit, they flock out. So that means that, okay, there were at least the early front rows that we had a love for Allah subhanahu ta'ala. And they also go a bit later. They come earlier and they go later. And after five rows, one row does that and the other four rows, they flee the masjid after the Imam says salam. So that follower who keeps saying salam, then he doesn't recite any other kalama, no tasbihat, no zikr, no dua. They just say salam and they leave. And we've seen especially in the Arab world, this is a standard practice now. You will see in the Arabs, they don't do it. You go to Dubai, you go to Jeddah. You will see that when, when you see the start of the Salah, they only see one row. There's a lot. There will be five, six rows worthy, worth of worship. But the other five rows, they will all come late. Only one row will be there before the start of Salah. And then during the prayer, then four, five, six rows will be more filled up. And the second, I say, no? Hmm? And the second, the Imam says salam, again those four or five rows leave. They don't do tasbih, they don't do dua, they don't do zikr. And you will see that they just say salam, salam, and they run. Abu Bakr, I say. Hmm? So the salik should come early to prayer to show that, oh Allah Ta'ala, I have love for you. And after they finish the prayer, they should stay there a little bit, do some zikr, do some dua, do some tasbihat, and then they should leave. And that is showing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I'm not fleeing you, I'm not distant from you, I'm not disinterested in you. That I just wanted to get this over with and, and run and get back to my life. Not like that. That yes, the salah is finished, the fard has finished. But you should remember that I'm still here. Even though I've prayed my fathers, I'm still remembering you, making dhikr, making dua, making tasbihat. So a person should come a bit earlier to prayer, and they should sit in that spot a little bit after the prayer is ended. Yes, if there is some genuine need, that the person has a pressing need, they have to go, then yes, for that person, if because of that they leave immediately, that is fine. But that shouldn't be a habit. That shouldn't be every day in every salah. And those particular times when we do have a pressing need, then we can go immediately. But we see today that people do it after every salah, and that is not proper, and that is not appropriate. It comes in a hadith that when a person enters their salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's becomes mutawajjah, becomes attentive towards him. And Allah Ta'ala does not divert his attention from him until that person himself diverts his attention from Allah. And then one, there are special features of the first salah and praying with jamaat is nur ala nur. It's getting even more nur. And Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam that those people who walk to the masjid in the darkness of the night, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them a large amount of nur and light. Another day comes that those who walk towards the masjid in the darkness of the night, that Allah Ta'ala's mercy, Allah Ta'ala's mercy will envelop them. It comes another day that whenever a person prays salat in congregation, and then he asks Allah Ta'ala for some need of his, and Allah Ta'ala says that how can I refuse him when he has just prayed his salat to me? And therefore this is a time of acceptance of dua. It comes in a date that if a person prays salah at home, that is equal, that will get one sawab. And if a person prays in the masjid of the neighborhood, it will be 25 or 27. And if they pray in the jami masjid, they will get the sawab of praying 500 times. If they pray masjid al-Aqsa, 5,000 times prayer. And if they pray in the Masjid of Medina Manawara, 50,000 reward. And if they pray in the Kaaba, Baytullah, 100,000 reward. So in Hadith, it comes that that person who prays the five prayers in Jamaat, then it will be easy for him to, he will go as quickly uh, across the bridge over hell on the Day of Judgment, like a flash of lightning, a bolt of lightning, and Allah will make him rise up amongst the Salihin. It comes in deep. That whomsoever of you makes wudu well, 
and then offers their salah and then enters into the masjid and their purpose in entering the masjid is nothing other than salah and Allah Ta'ala gives them the glad tidings and gives them the glad tidings just like that person who just like if there's a tribe and one of their members went missing and then they get news that the missing clan member or family member has been found just like that Allah Ta'ala and they're so happy just like that Allah Ta'ala is as happy when a person makes wudu and enters the masjid for the niyat of praying salah. In another letter, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has no more beloved, no posture that He loves more than in a servant, than seeing a servant in the posture of sajda. And it comes in a deed that a person who does sajda gets the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so a person should do sajda in ragba with a lot of yearning and make lots of tasbih. It comes in a deed that when a person does sajda, his sajda makes the ground that his forehead touches pak, pure. And for all the seven levels of the earth that are below, all of it becomes pure because of where his forehead touches the ground. So the act of doing sajda in salah and placing the forehead on the ground actually makes that ground pure, tahir, and makes seven levels of earth that Allah Ta'ala said in Quran that there's seven tabqat of earth makes all of that pure. said that, that all of the dajayat, dajayat that fall and warat, ahwal that fall upon a person outside of salah other than salah all of that is of a secondary level and the real dajayat and warat and waradat and kifiyat that fall on a mu'min are those that fall on a mu'min when he is inside salah during salah so he writes that, that we have ascertained from absolute certainty that the tajaliyat and mashayadat that Allah subhanahu sends in a person inside salah are much more intense than the tajaliyat and mashayadat that He sends in a person outside of salah. And a person will be much more enveloped and surrounded in the tajaliyat of Allah subhanahu wa when He is inside the salah. And salah is what? Salah is what makes the creation have a status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it comes in the hadith of the Prophet that in Salah the veil between a person and the Lord is lifted. And this is why it is called a mi'raj. And that person who has tried to perfect their prayer, that means that he is trying to perfect the tajaliyat and mashahadat that are coming upon him. And the tajaliyat and mashayadat that he has outside salah, they cannot even reach the level of tajaliyat and mashayadat that occur to a person inside their salah. And this matter and affair of salah has to do with the perfection and closeness of the anbiya to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not qurb wilayat this is qurb nabuat And this is not to do with the kamalat of wilayat it has to do with kamalat of nabuat this matter and fear of prayer and salah. And that is why that many of the people of wilayat their hand has fallen short of the exalted tree of the fazail of salah. And that why? Because they enjoy zikr more than they enjoy salah. And the people who are on the path of nabuat they enjoy salah more than zikr. Because in Salah there is Kamalat and Nabuat and in Zikr there is Kamalat and Wilayat. So that person who has Kamalat and Wilayat, 
That's why there have been some people who actually went astray from the path and they also they said, that, what, how, why do I need to pray five times a day? All I need to do is make zikr and in some rural village areas there are some people like that. They say that we don't need to pray namaz, salah because we just make zikr all the time. And the way they say it is that you remember Allah five times a day. We remember Allah Ta'ala all day. So what do we need to do to pray the salah? When we have the zikr of Allah in our heart, then what's the need for us to pray? So this is a deviation and a misconception that these people had. And this is why Imam Rabani was clearing this up, that there were people who had this misconception at that time. And he was telling those people that whatever tajaliyat and mushahidat you get in zikr, that is nothing compared to the tajaliyat and mushahidat you get in salah. And many, many of the people who obtain Qurbi Walayat, they are not able to touch the Mashaadat and Jazat that the person gets in Salah. And instead, they should turn away from that and they should move towards Qurbi Nabuat and they should focus on the. They should, foc- they should try to get these Tajaliyat and Mashaadat that a person gets inside Salah. So this is the signal that Nabi Karim Sallallahu and the Sahaba Karam and the special members of this Ummah, they had a special attachment to the Salah. Salah is the beloved of the heart and the outward acts of Salah with these particular different postures has also been adorned with beauty with Allah subhanahu ta'ala and the inner feelings of khashu and khazu and Salah have also been adorned with beauty by Allah subhanahu ta'ala and what will the person know of the hakikat or reality of this and that person who is not in love or infatuated or intoxicated with Salah, and what will they ever know about real khushu and khuzu? And then he says that, you know, indeed the wonders and excellences of Salah are far beyond the ability of my tongue to express and my pen to write. But all we can say is that this incredible benefit, there have been many great pure souls and spirits of the past, who have experienced and received all of the wondrous miracles that Allah has placed inside Salah. Now there's another thing that Imam Arbanta has written that is an incredible point of knowledge on his part, and marifat, and we hope that you will pay great heed to it. And this has been absolutely made crystal clear that that feeling that a person gets when they offer the salah is far greater than all the kifiyat and ahwal and the feelings that a person gets in any ibadah that is outside of salah. Because those feelings that a person gets outside of salah, they are in the daira zilal, they are in the arena of shadow. And inside Salah, they are from the Daira Asal, they are getting the fares from the Asal. What does it mean that outside of Salah, all of the Ahwal, Kifiyat, Jaliyat, Waradat that we get, all of them have relationship with the Zalal. And inside the Salah, the Kifiyat that we get, they have a talak with the Asal. So what does it mean? Asal Zalam means the original thing and a shadow. Just like there's a person and then there's a shadow of a person. Just like that, the real kafiyat are the ones that are contained inside Salah and the ones that are outside are just merely a shade or a shadow of that. And this has been made crystal clear that those feelings and ecstasies that a person gets outside Salah Inside Salah is far, far greater and more exalted than all of the feelings that a person gets outside Salah because those are just like a shadow and the ones that are inside Salah are the asal or the real thing.
Just like the difference between any object, between its real, the reality of an object and the shadow of an object, just like that is the difference between the reality of the jaliyat that it received in Salah and the, their shadow, that it, and that is what is received outside Salah. He said that this fakir has witnessed that that state that Allah Ta'ala bestows upon a person at the time of death that will be even greater than the time than the halat that Allah Ta'ala puts in a person in Salah. Why? Because the mouth is a precursor, death is a precursor to the Akhirah and therefore then they will get a precursor to the halat of the Akhirah. And in the Akhirah there is a manifestation of the ultimate reality. And then when a person enters their grave, that halat will be even greater than what a person gets when they die. So there's one level of focus towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and concentration and tajaliyat that a person gets outside salah. Then it's just a shadow compared to the original tajaliyat that is inside salah. Then that last moment before you die, that level of mushahad and witnessing Allah for the righteous people and the tajaliyat they get will be even greater than salah. And then whatever feeling they felt at the time of death, the mushahad and the tajaliyat they will get in the grave will be even greater than that. And then when they rise in the day of judgment, will have even more mushahad and tajaliyat than they had in the grave. And then when they enter into Jannah, the mushahad and tajaliyat in Jannah will be even greater than when they rise in the day of judgment. So there's a gradual build-up. So what is the summary of all this is that this world is the harvesting ground for the Akhirah and therefore to be engaged in creation and to be absorbed in creation is a great distraction and people then get lost in their dreams and their hopes but actually no, the purpose of this is just to harvest for the next life for the Akhirah and anything that leads to Allah subhanahu wa benefit and everything else is without benefit altogether. And if there's any allure and, and if there's anything that a person wants to enjoy, there can be nothing that gives more enjoyment than salah. So look at how clearly Imam Rabbah has explained the importance of salah. That before they were ignorant Sufis, they used to think that, oh, prayer is just for the masses. Prayer is for those people who can just remember Allah Ta'ala five times and remember Allah Ta'ala all the time. And therefore, you remember Allah five times and remember every time. So Imam Rabbah is negating them. You don't understand anything. And whatever you're feeling in your zikr, all of that is nothing compared to the feeling that can be obtained in salah. What you're feeling is just a shadow, and the, what is inside salah is the real asal. And then when a person dies, they will feel even more than that. And when a person is in the grave, they will feel even more than that. When they stand on the judgment, they will be even more than that. And then when they enter into jannah, they will feel even more tajaliyat than that. The Subhanallah Imam Rabbani has written such a wondrous thing. And he writes that that from the five pillars of Islam, Salah is the second pillar. And this is the complete sum total of all of the ibadat. And this is that ibadat due to which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is that ibadah that brings a person the greatest qurb with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that ru'yat, that vision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that the Prophet had during Miraj, that after he was returned back to this world, then the only thing that could be a likeness to that feeling of ru'yat was salah. So that witnessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Sayyidina did after on top of the, uh, past the arsh, 
that when he returned to this world, what could remind him of that? Ru'yat, what was the leftover of that ru'yat? What was the hallmark of that ru'yat? What was the reminder of that ru'yat? That was salah. So when you pray salah, you will remember that moment that when you were you went past the arsh and you were that close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is the power Allah ta'ala has put in salah. And that is why the Prophet said, as to Miraj al Mu'min. And then a person should, is the closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when they're in praying their salah. And also, the followers of the Prophet Sallallahu they also got, where did they, and all of his followers and all of his ummah, they will get a share of that miraj, the real miraj that the Prophet went past the arsh, they will get their share of that in salah. It's not real royat because real vision of Allah can only take place in the next life, but they will not be able to get real royat and real vision of Allah Subhanahu in this world. But the resemblance of that they will get is in their salah, because salah is that thing that was bestowed upon the Prophet when he was in a state of ru'ya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And salah is that thing that removes the sorrow and griefs of people, what removes the veil between the servant and the Lord, what shows a person who, who their maqsood and matloob is. So when Sayyidina Rasulullah whenever he used to feel sorrow, he also used, always used to turn to Allah Ta'ala in salah. And he said in hadith that the coolness of my eyes lies in salah, and this is exactly what is being indicated. Then Imam Rabbanta says that those knowledges and those subtleties and those lights and those spiritual ecstasies and all of those feelings and urges and passions for Allah subhanahu ta'ala and all of the things that a person gets outside of salah and without knowing the haqiqat of salah, then all of that is just a shadow. And this is a product of their own imagination and fancy. But the person who prays salah and inside salah, they actually exit the alam of the dunya and they actually enter the alam of the akhirah. So therefore, that because this treasure is related to the akhirah, then they feel that that treasure when they're praying salah. Because all of the things in this world can only mention to you the wonders and perfections of the shade and shadow, but in Salah a person will get the wonders and perfections of the asal, of the actual thing. And Allah Ta'ala has given this Salah as a special gift to this Ummah. And this is the gift that Allah Ta'ala was given to, Allah Ta'ala gave to the Prophet when he went above the Arsh al-Mi'raj and when he was able to see Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala Therefore, when the Ummah uses and makes use of this Salah, it will also be, in a way, getting the um, Sa'ada of the Ru'yat of Allah SWT after the Arsh, because they're getting the Sa'ada of the Thamra of that, they're getting the joy of the, what was the product and result of that Ru'yat. And there are many people who don't know the reality of Salah. In other words, from amongst the Sufis, there are some groups of Sufis who don't understand the true kafiyat and the true feelings and realities of Salah. And they don't know there's particular kamalat and wonders and perfections. And therefore, they try to search for their spiritual pleasure and other things than Salah. In fact, there was even one group who actually thought namaz was pointless, salah was pointless. And they tried to do all types of other ibadat other than salah. But this is wrong. And salah is the most abzal, is the most greatest thing. And this is just from the follies of the Sufis. And because of their unawareness. And a large group of, a large number of this group of Sufis They've turned to sama and wajd and turned to mystical audition and ecstasy and they've searched for their rub in the wrong place.
And they should know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has declared that, that there will be no shifa, no cure in things that are haram. Therefore, if only the wonders and perfections of Salah were to be opened on them, they would never ever have left it and they would never have even taken one foot towards Sama or mystical logician. If only they had known about the wonders and perfections of Salah, they would have never been interested in mystical audition and mystical poetry, and they wouldn't have looked for their itminan in that, but instead they would have looked for their itminan inside the Salah itself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a presence of heart in our Salah. And here when a Salak he wrote a letter that sometimes I get this feeling in Salah that I feel I feel as if I'm conversing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that there's no veil between us and I feel a lure in my Salah and I'm overcome by humility and this is the same feeling that I get in Tilawat and other Ibadat. So he responded that Oh you who have such glad tidings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and congratulations to you on this wonderful feeling that you have in Salah. Indeed Salah is the miraj of the mu'min and indeed the feelings and kifiyat a person gets in Salah is far greater than all of the kifiyat that a person gets outside Salah. And it comes in a deed that that person who wishes and desires to converse with their Lord, they should simply recite the Qur'an al-Kareem. And because you're doing recitation of Qur'an inside Salah, that is why you feel that you're conversing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And especially that when you do tilawat inside Salah, then that is, brings the person even more closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if this haqiqat manifests itself in Salah, that it has come in hadith that the closest that a person ever becomes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in Salah. And indeed, that if you feel that a veil has been removed between you and Allah ta'ala inside Salah, then feeling this feeling inside Salah is appropriate, but not outside Salah. And because it comes in a date that the Prophet himself said that when a person, when a believer is offering the Salah, that veil that lies between him and his Lord is lifted. And then what does that mean? That they can witness the beauty and splendor and might and majesty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That they get the anwarat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then when they get the anwarat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they indeed they will feel as if they are now enveloped and drowned and drenched in nur. Then, he says that once, the Imam Jafar Salah was praying Salah, that he became unconscious and fell down during the Salah. And all of a sudden, he fell down unconscious. And then when he regained consciousness, somebody asked him and said, what happened? They said that I was reciting this particular ayah of the Qur'an over and over again until that then I heard Allah Ta'ala Himself recite this ayah back to me. And that made me fall unconscious. Allah. So look at Salah is such an incredible thing that they would recite one ayat over and over and over and over again so much so that then they reached the stage that they felt as if Allah Ta'ala recited that ayah for them.
And then Imran responds that you've written in your letter that you feel that the veil between you and your Rabb has disappeared during Salah. And that you don't have even in your heart the slightest of a thought of ghair of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that you feel a lot of fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that you view yourself as nothing. And you should know that it comes in a day. That Allah, the Prophet did say that in Salah, the veil that lies between the believer and the Rabb is removed. And therefore, Imam Rabbi is written that the removal of this hijab is the Salah of the Muntahi. This is related to the prayer of the advanced believer. The veil does not, is not removed in every ordinary believer's prayer or in every ordinary prayer. This is a special prayer. We are quite the opposite that we have so much hijab between us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're thinking of all types of worldly things during our salam. So the removal of the veil is particular to the salah of the muntahi. And therefore we should be grateful over this blessing that Allah Ta'ala has given us and we should try to acquire it more and more. And then Imam Irvan Rabtai had a murid, Khajakhal Masum Rabtai had a murid who wrote him a letter. When I pray, I get a lot of jami'at and a lot of pleasure. And outside of salah, I don't feel like occupying myself in anything other than salah. And whatever letter I pronounce in salah, even that I feel that it's doing, it's manifesting its nur. Every letter that I pronounce and utter in Salah. Imagine people who had worked and perfected their Salah like this. Then they enjoyed their Salah in such a manner. I have no desire to occupy myself with other than Salah. And every single letter that I pronounce in prayer gives me utter joy and happiness. And in that, so he wrote back and saying that your letters made me very happy. And this is an indication of a good spiritual condition. And this is the last passage we'll read tonight. But there's a very special point in this passage. And we want that you should pay great heed to it. person offers nafil salah, they get a lot of pleasure. In the beginning, when there's a salik who is beginning his journey, so he, when he prays nafil salah, he gets a lot of pleasure. So the muqtadi, the beginner, in the beginning of a spiritual journey, gets a lot of enjoyment and pleasure from praying their nafil salah. So much so until that then this pleasure becomes connected to their fars and then they get so much pleasure in their first salah then when he prays nafil salah when this pleasure uh, increases so much such that then he gets so the, the beginner he loves to pray ishaq and jash and amabin etc but when he becomes a more advanced salik, then he gets an extra pleasure in his first salah, and the pleasure that he gets in first salah makes him forget the pleasure he got in all of his nafil salah. So that pleasure that a person gets in first salah, then there's no benefit to the nafs in that pleasure. But in fact, at that moment of that pleasure, the nafs is completely in reins and subjugated. 
And then Imam Al-Aman said that how can people like us who have such greed and love for this world understand such things? How, how could people like us who have such greed and love ever understand such things? And then when a person will get so much pleasure in their first salah that it will become a likeness of the, the next closest thing to seeing Allah Ta'ala in the Akhirah. So in this world, as a mu'min prays their salah, they will in Jannah see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the same way, according to the same quality in which they prayed their salah. If in this world, they prayed salah and they had all types of different idle and stray thoughts, then if he comes to the Day of Judgment with all those prayers such that they were filled with idle and stray thoughts, and even when he enters Jannah, when he gets to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with as many veils of the sifat over his zat as the person had khilat in their salah. So, and that person who prayed salah without any other thoughts and any other distractions, and when such a person prays such a salah where there is not even the slightest thought of anything in this world, then when this person goes into Jannah and he sees Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he will see the zat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there will be no veils of the sifat over the zat. They will be able to see Allah ta'ala unveiled in all of his resplendent, inherent, intrinsic glory. So now we should think that we should pray salah in the same way that we want to see Allah ta'ala. And if we want to see Allah ta'ala unveiled, then we should pray our salah unveiled. We shouldn't let the veils of worldly thoughts come over us in our salah. And everybody has to pray salah anyway. So since we have to pray salah anyway, we might as well pray salah of a better quality. And the question is with how much awareness and how much focus and how much attention a person prays their salah. So our Akabra, our elders, they were extremely... In- Look how greatly they established for the Salakin the importance of Salah. And before we conclude tonight's manzas, that we can feel in our heart that even though we prayed Salah before, now in our heart we have a much greater importance attached to Salah. So make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and may Allah ta'ala grant us the same feeling of Salah that is expressed in as Salah to Miraj al Mu'min. Subhanallah, 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 Sub